On this week's gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio, we got some new additions for Injustice 2, some season pass updates regarding the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, some additions to Pokemon Go, plus I share my thoughts on the PewDiePie controversy. On the entertainment side of things, I got my five-minute movie review for John Wick Chapter 2, plus the latest entertainment news of the week. The gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 397, powered by Rageworks. I'm your host, Rich, and I'd like to start off by thanking you for hitting that download or that play button to check out the gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We release two shows a week. We have a special MMA and wrestling edition and, of course, the gaming and entertainment edition that you are checking out right now all right so before we get into uh this week's topics just a couple of housekeeping things i wanted to get out of the way first and foremost number one uh the live episode of my take radio episode 400 will be march 1st with an airtime of 11 30 p.m eastern 8 30 p.m pacific and you'll be able to tune in by heading to mtrlive.com on that date and time we're going to continue to uh, keep our blog talk radio account active so that we can have one last uh, call in show with you guys to share your thoughts on the latest and greatest in MMA and wrestling for that episode. Uh, definitely have a couple of really cool things in store for you guys and also some some very big news regarding MTR, which I'm going to share during episode 400. So I really hope you guys can join us and get in on the festivities. 400 is a big milestone. We've come a long way since since My Take Radio started way back in 2006 as just a simple podcast with me in front of a microphone for hours upon hours on end. Um, of course, in 2009, we went live uh, doing the blog talk radio thing, taking in calls. Shortly after that, we introduced live video and have been doing live audio and video ever since, including uh, just recently we started doing some uh, simulcast to Facebook Live and a couple of other services. So. MTR has come a long way, and I think 400 episodes is a, is a solid milestone, and we've grown just as a brand. My Take Radio went from just a podcast and its associated website, mytakeradio.com. It evolved into Rageworks. Rageworks, of course, now the parent company for My Take Radio and also the other shows on the Rageworks podcast network. So it's it's been a, an amazing, amazing journey, and I'm just really glad to have shared uh, the trials and tribulations with so many of you and just made so many friends along the way, have attended so many great things, uh, partially because of the the work we've done with My Take Radio and now with Rageworks. So again, just very grateful to all of you that have supported us, and I look forward to um, celebrating 400 episodes of MTR on March 1st. Another thing I did want to mention to you guys is we got some new episodes of the variant issue trss call me when it's over and probably black as the new black heading your way this week so keep it locked to rageworks.net as well as itunes stitcher and tune in radio for that also we have been researching doing individual rss feeds on itunes stitcher and tune in radio for all our other shows um, I know a lot of you guys are getting all the shows via the Rageworks network, but I also want to give you guys the opportunity to subscribe individually to those shows. And it's something we've been working on gradually. And we actually had to reach out to the guys that do the PowerPress plugin so that we can get to the bottom of why that's been an issue, because we did try to implement it before 2016 closed out. And we did notice that there were some issues with the RSS feed. So we're going to look into that. And of course, once that's done, we will make sure to inform you guys via a post on RageWorks.net or during an MTR podcast. So with that said, 
Let's close it out from the housekeeping and jump into this week's gaming segment. Let's get to it. All right, let's get right into it with some Injustice 2 news for this week. As many of you know, Injustice 2's release is rapidly approaching, and we've seen some reveals already of some old characters as well as some new ones. And DC, Warner Brothers, and NetherRealm definitely have been stepping it up this past week as we saw reveals for not only Swamp Thing, who many of you saw in Justice League Dark, which was, you know, amazing, and the gameplay for Swamp Thing looks awesome. But in addition to that, we're also seeing uh, Catwoman, Cheetah, and um, also Poison Ivy, which is a great addition to the game. Uh, The gameplay footage for each of these characters has been released by Warner Brothers and NetherRealm. I definitely like what I'm seeing. I like the different variety of characters that's being used in this game. Like I said, some some favorites as well as some new additions. As somebody who grew up uh, watching the Swamp Thing films, the cartoon, and even the toys, plus obviously his recent appearance in Justice League Dark, uh, has made me very happy as a Swamp Thing fan to also see him get some love in the brand new Injustice 2 game. I'm looking forward to it. Injustice 2 will be arriving on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One May 16th, so mark that down on your calendars. On the Nintendo side of things, uh, Nintendo released um, a trailer for the upcoming expansion pass for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which um, that pass is going to cost $19.99 and will be available when the game launches on March 3rd. This is going to be the first time an expansion pass has been available for the main series, and the game, of course, will be released on both the Nintendo Switch and will be the final game on the Wii U. It's going to allow gamers to access two sets of DLC that are going to be available later this year. The first DLC pack will be arriving this summer, and it's going to include the Cave of Trials challenge, a new hard mode, and a new feature for the game's map. The second pack for the DLC will be available during the 2017 holiday season that will feature new challenges, a new dungeon, and a new original story. The content packs will not be available for individual purchase, so you're going to have to drop that 20 bucks for the season pass. If you pre-order the pass, though, you're going to get three new treasure chests, which will appear in the Greater Plateau area. Uh, one will have a shirt with a Nintendo Switch logo that Link can wear, which is exclusive to the pass. And then the other two, che- the other two chests will have some other useful items as well. Um, I'm interested in seeing how people are going to respond to a season pass offering from Nintendo. Uh, you know, the Nintendo Switch definitely has some fanfare behind it. People are excited. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild definitely looks impressive uh, for both the Wii U and the Switch. Even if it's the final game on the Wii U, it's still a Zelda title that's definitely going to sell. As for the game, of course, launching with the Switch, that's that's huge. And um, the season pass, you'll be able to pick it up for $19.99. Just a reminder, as I said before, uh, the first season pass will have DLC that will be active this summer. And then the second DLC pack will be active during the 2017 holiday season. Now, the Nintendo Switch isn't the only console in the news today, as Microsoft has been dropping hints that at E3, they will be um, giving us some new information regarding the Xbox Project Scorpio, which will be taking center stage during the Microsoft event, which is going to go down Sunday, June 11th. Now, as of right now, there's very little we know about the Scorpio, aside from it being a more powerful incarnation of the Xbox One, but... I have a feeling that what we're going to see is something that will obviously uh, be substantially more powerful than the current Xbox, but also uh, probably be something that will exceed the capabilities of the PS4 Pro. We started seeing shades of that already with the Xbox One S and some of its, um, you know, improved technology that it brought to the table. But of course, Project Scorpio is going to be something more high powered and definitely going to take xbox and microsoft for that matter to the next level in the console wars again uh e3 is going to be very interesting 
for that reason and of course something i talked about last week the event being open to the public so uh definitely going to be an interesting june uh for microsoft and for those attending e3 maybe we'll uh take a trip to california this year and get in on the excitement nonetheless keep it locked to rageworks.net for any news relating to microsoft and the upcoming project scorpio system which as I said, will be the centerpiece from Microsoft's event at E3. All right. Now, as I mentioned before we started today's today's show, I did want to talk about a new update that was released for Pokemon Go. Um, They're actually releasing an additional 80 Pokemon that are scheduled to appear on Pokemon Go later this week. Um, Some of those are going to be ones from the Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver games and um, traders are going to be able to capture these Pokemon in the wild. And I, you know, I feel that this is going to, you know, get people interested once again in playing Pokemon Go. A couple of things. I still play the game casually. Um, I actually, you know, my wife picked up an Apple Watch for me now that I switched over to an iPhone 7 Plus. And I've actually been using Pokemon Go to hatch eggs with the Apple Watch as, you know, the pedometer is built into the watch and it's able to actually do that. But the other thing was that the uh, the band that was released for Pokemon Go, I've been seeing it at retail locations, uh, local GameStop, even at Target for, you know, the $29.99 price tag. And I've been contemplating picking one up just so I can have it maybe clipped to to a, to my bag or to, to my jeans or whatever, just to clip the band in a, in a pocket and still, you know, play Pokemon Go because it's a fun game. I still enjoy it. And obviously the band is going to allow you to automatically collect Pokestops versus on the Apple Watch where you actually still have to manually access a Pokestop on the watch before uh, being able to collect any of the items there. In addition to that, with the band, you'll actually be able to catch it automatically tries to catch some of the more common Pokemon, not the ones that, you know, obviously are more powerful and and that you haven't caught before, but some of the common ones that you've caught already, you know, Pidgeys, Rattatas, the usual. So, I, I mean, you know, Pokemon goes kind of outlived it's it's welcome for some people but for me as somebody who wasn't a hardcore pokemon player i actually enjoy it and you know i do a lot of walking especially for events so you know hatching eggs doing the pedometer stuff it's um it's a nice plus for me personally not a not a big deal but still something worth uh worth mentioning so if you are a fan of pokemon go and you're still playing it you're going to be able to see some of those new pokemon start debuting on the game later on this week now of course the big gaming news that i wanted to get into is pewdiepie pewdiepie was in the news this week um for really getting himself in some hot water which i'll break down in a moment uh for those of you that don't know pewdiepie is considered one of the most successful youtubers in history earning an estimated uh six to seven million dollars a year with his youtube gaming videos uh his approach isn't for everybody there's some screaming carrying on some strong language some strong language etc but at the end of the day you know he's a blueprint to you know the success that you can find on the youtube platform is it right is it wrong it's it's all about the person who's enjoying the content me personally i've watched his videos i feel that he's entertaining a little over the top and definitely not for everyone but he definitely has a niche and is one of the guys that has really utilized the platform to reach a new level unfortunately in doing that he has pretty much um become both a a hero for those in the youtube community that are looking to to stake their claim and be successful but also a guy that's looked at as somebody who got successful for nothing for no apparent reason other than screaming like a maniac during uh you know gaming sessions that he shared on youtube so you know he's a he's a mixed bag for many people for me personally i respect the guy's work ethic a lot of work goes into what he does and you know people don't understand that it's not just turning on a camera and playing a game and screaming and carrying on. You know, you have to make sure that you're engaging, entertaining, and you also need to have consistency and 
uh, a fairly strong technical background. Yes, you could you can edit with Windows Movie Maker and some of these other cheap softwares. Hell, you can even edit within YouTube. But you know, making sure that your content is engaging, it's fun, and it's it's something that that's very very time consuming. One of the reasons why I stopped me personally doing. Uh, my take radio live every week wasn't so much because of the live component. Yeah, that was a factor, but it was more so because of the amount, the, the, the extreme amount of time that was dedicated to editing both audio and video. I mean, right now doing the, the podcast, we actually are using a new software called Hindenburg journalist, which, um, has been on my radar for quite some time. And I actually did the 30 day trial and I realized that the software is incredibly, incredibly good for editing. My editing time has gone from even an hour for, for a, for a two hour show to maybe half an hour, sometimes even less. I mean, even now with this episode, this is an episode that may take me now maybe half an hour outside of, of course, typing up the notes and putting it on YouTube and uploading it to iTunes and social media. But the, the bigger, the bigger part of the process has been substantially scaled down. So there definitely is some work there. Now, in terms of the controversy, what ended up happening was PewDiePie, of course, has come a long way. Um, he was part of the YouTube Red initiative. He's been part of the maker, uh, the the maker. Uh, I guess that's the that's Disney's uh, Maker Studios, which is the um, the the video production company that it bought in 2014, which was integrated with YouTube. So what ended up happening was that Disney and a lot of companies have actually distanced themselves or severed ties with PewDiePie because he actually released some videos with some anti-Semitic jokes and Nazi references. Uh, the Wall Street Journal pulled this up and found that nine of PewDiePie's videos posted over the last six months included Im- included imagery such as SWAT stickers, Nazi salutes, shots of Hitler. Uh, last month alone, he actually did a, a video of a guy dressed as Jesus Christ saying Hitler did absolutely nothing wrong. He also paid two Indian men to hold up a banner reading death to all Jews, which he actually had done via Fiverr. Uh, PewDiePie has argued that it's not serious use of the imagery and is just something done for satire purposes. Now, a lot of people that have seen the story have been very, very divided as, you know, PewDiePie is no different than any other content creator that is leveraging the medium and leveraging some of the things that hap- that have happened, um, you know, in, in over over the countless years as pieces for his, you know, for his videos, whether it's, you know, things regarding Nazi Germany, Hitler, uh, anti-Semitism, etc. For me personally, this is this is where I stand as a content creator myself. You there's a certain standard that you personally have to hold yourself to. And let me explain. If you're a comedian, if you're a person who does, you know, more crass, more over the top content for for distribution on on YouTube or any other medium, then that's what you do. That's what you're known for. And the people that choose to consume your content are doing so at their own discretion. They know that, you know, you have strong language or, you know, sexual innuendos or, you know, any other any other things. And because of that, they're either going to be compelled to enjoy your content or they're not. This goes back to, to you know, personalities even on the radio. Some of my favorites, you know, Opie and Anthony, Jim Norton, Howard Stern, etc. These are guys that they, you know, they're called shock jocks, but they're just you know, delivering content in an unsin- in an unfiltered fashion to the masses, and the masses either have the option to enjoy it or not. Now, in PewDiePie's case, I definitely do not feel that that he is you know he is not without any sort of recourse because the problem is once you are accepting money and signing agreements and being a representative or an ambassador for a brand. It doesn't matter what you do at that point, but you are, in theory, an employee, whether you choose to admit it or not. For those of us that create content on YouTube, we're actually using YouTube to distribute our content to the masses. That doesn't mean we're employees of YouTube, but there are standards and practices that YouTube has in place that as somebody using their service, we have to respect, whether it's, you know, copyrighted stuff or language or anything else. If it's offensive, YouTube can and will 
exercise their right to defend their brand. And in PewDiePie's case, this is a guy, like I said, that we're talking about a guy that makes seven million dollars a year, you know, between one, one to five million. Uh, it's, it varies depending on which aspects of his business we're looking at. But the problem is that once he became part of YouTube Red and became somebody who was front and center, um, you know, it, it's it's something where you got to ask yourself, did you go too far? And this is one of those situations where as much as a content creator and as much as I respect and, and, and admire what my fellow creators are doing, you had to have known that using this type of imagery, whether for the sake of satire or genuine views was going to cause a firestorm. Not only that, but you're going on Fiverr and you're hiring these different independent vendors who are on there trying to make an honest living to, to do this stuff. And yes, obviously they have the right to refuse, but in the instance of, of the two Indian guys who were holding the sign that said death to all Jews, um, I was reading that those guys actually were, rem- were going to be m- removed from Fiverr for that. And that PewDiePie actually had to get involved on their behalf and have the service, you know, not, not ban them, which is a separate issue all its own for, for me, I feel that, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to want to do something, uh, brash and over the top. And it's another to not have any self-awareness and, and know that you're going to damage your own brand. And what I'm saying is if you listen to in the old days, like Opie and Anthony or Howard Stern, and they talk about, you know, Nazis, uh, Jews, uh, people that are handicapped, politicians, women, whatever the case may be. Sometimes we got into things that were, you know, those guys got into things that were even a little, a little too much for me. I would just, you know, turn the the dial and come back. But at the end of the day, that's what they built their success on. PewDiePie built his success on being a guy that plays games, um, you know, definitely does them a little different than everybody else. And he's cultivated a, his own audience because of it. I just feel that him going and using this type of imagery, even if it was for the sake of satire, you should know that as an employee, whether you like it or not, of Disney and even YouTube Red, for that matter, which is the paid portion of YouTube that he had his show Scare PewDiePie on, it's it's begging for a problem. And um, it's interesting because PewDiePie didn't even acknowledge, he didn't reply to the Wall Street Journal directly. He posted um, a message on his Tumblr page and he said, I was trying to show how crazy the modern world is, specifically some of the services available online. I picked something that seemed absurd to me that people on Fiverr would say anything for $5. And he went on to add that I'm in no way supporting any kind of hateful attitudes saying that he makes videos tailored for his audience. I think of the content that I create as entertainment and not a place for any serious political commentary. I know my audience understand that, and that is why they come to my channel. Though this was not my intention, I understand that these jokes are ultimately offensive. Uh, PewDiePie closed out the statement by taking a stance on hate-based groups, saying that he doesn't support these people in any way. And the reason is because a lot of pro-Nazi, anti-Semitic groups have actually... um, felt that you know the stuff he was saying was legit and have actually used that to as a vehicle to spread their own hate speech now it's always interesting because you know again you're you're looking at uh, it being viewed as a joke and you're wanting to do it for the sake of satire but if you've never done that before and it's not something you're you're known for doing then why do it you should have known and, and again, this is just self-awareness, like, man, do I really want to put this Hitler image in this video if it's not related to something that I'm discussing? No, not really. Um, it, is, it, is it really good for my brand to have two guys on Fiverr hold a sign that say death to all Jews? You know, it, it just, it's, it's not good. It, it, it's not good. And the problem is, it's like, you know, I, um, I just, I just feel that it's it's a, a situation that could have been avoided by just questioning if that's something you want to do as an entertainment personality. As I said, you know, uh, YouTube, they canceled his series Scare PewDiePie. They've removed them from the Google preferred advertising program. Uh, Maker Maker Studios and Disney have severed ties with him. It's just it's just crazy. And, um, you know, PewDiePie has said that his jokes 
are you know i think there's a difference between a joke and an actual like fuck death to jews and i understand that and it's true because if you've watched any sort of stand-up comedy sometimes it definitely goes in that direction but again these are people that that's their job they're stand-up comedians they're people that that they go out there and they're supposed to say things that are brash and over the top and make people's eyes, you know, open wide and their mouths, you know, stay wide open because these are things that are definitely worth considering. But for me, uh, again, going back to what I said before, you really have to ask yourself, is this going to hurt me either outright or down the road? And that's what happens. Even if PewDiePie does, doesn't have these views, which I personally don't think he does, by putting himself out there and doing it, it's just it's just a, a recipe for disaster. You know, there's edgy comedy and then there's stupidity. And that's that's just how it is. And especially if you're dealing with Disney and, and a brand like that, they're going to as they're going to work their hardest to not be associated with people or personalities that actually feed that type of a viewpoint, whether it's right or wrong. You just you just can't do it. You can't, you know. It's like Disney is a family-friendly company, and even though they've put out content and they put out stuff that's definitely, you know, geared towards older audiences, there's disclaimers, there's ratings, etc., and Disney's very, very careful and meticulous with what they do, you know, and that's that's just how it is. I, I just I just feel that that as an entertainer, whether it's, uh, you know, an established entertainer or whether you're somebody who's hoping to make a name for themselves, whether it's as a vlogger or a YouTuber or et cetera, you got to really think about what you're going to say. As somebody who's been doing this for, you know, 400 plus episodes, I've said some off color remarks, but the, uh, you know, I stand by what I say in the sense of it's, you know, part of a conversation. It's for the sake of comedy, but it's not something that's indicative of my personal views. And I make sure to put a disclaimer to acknowledge that. And I personally, you know, hate speech, things like that. I just, I don't tolerate it. I don't tolerate it in our Facebook group, any of that stuff. You know, everybody's entitled to their opinions. Everybody's entitled to be, um, you know, be off color and, and, and make some crass and crude jokes, but within the realms of still respecting uh, you know, just your fellow man. And once it, it, it kind of crosses that line, then people, people got to get called out and they got to be told about it. It's simple as that. Sometimes people, they, they, they make excuses for themselves saying that, oh, you know, it's just comedy. It's just the internet. It's just whatever. And that the problem is that it's not just the internet. It's the fact that what you're doing makes it, makes makes you know that viewpoint a representation of a brand that you work for a company that you work for and you just you just don't want to do that and again i get it i get he was trying to do something for for the sake of satire but he should have been you know it, it he should have known that this was not going to end well you know that's that as soon as you said oh i'm going to put this video of these guys holding a sign that says death to all jews you should have known that that just wasn't going to end well. And again, will can he bounce back and and definitely be um you know be be back in in the public spotlight? Absolutely, but companies right now, he is he is kryptonite right now. He is toxic waste. They can't touch him. They can't, you know, and he's he's gone on and and apologized and he's you know, he's saying he went too far and et cetera, et cetera. and he said and I quote, I'm sorry for the words that I used, and I know they offended people. And I admit that the joke itself went too far. Um, you know, it's 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 crazy that he, he apologized. But in the same in the same video, he, he blamed the media, claiming that the comments have been repeatedly taken out of content, out of context. Excuse me. He said uh, they don't call it jokes. They call it posts. He said, I made a point that the media takes what I say out of context. They take that and pull it out of contact and use it and use against me to portray me as a Nazi. Um, he went on to say that, you know, the, the wall street journal piece, of course, they, he had those nine videos, etc. Um, you know, the verge actually tried to get a comment and the wall street journal pretty much said that they stand by the reporting. Um, you know, it's interesting because 
in 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 a piece that the purge that the that the purge that the verge put out they said that you know um you know it's it's something where there's definitely certain things that you want to 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 definitely discuss but you know it's like anything else everything is open to interpretation when the words are not coming from you and um you know i i definitely understand where pewdiepie was coming from if he felt that he was misquoted or or he or his commentary was taken out of context that's fine and you truly do have a right to defend yourself but the proof is is, is concrete you know if you have anti-semitic imagery um regardless of whether it's satire or not and and you're not a comedian or you're not somebody who's known for doing that type of content it is going to raise a lot of eyebrows you know it's 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 crazy you know because it's like you know, I understand he was saying, you know, the, the media outlets blatantly misinterpret people for their own personal gain. He actually went on to say that the he the Wall Street Journal article was an attack on him and it was an attack by the media to try and discredit him, to try and decrease uh, my influence and my economic worth. And I can understand where he's coming from with that, but I got to also be be blunt in saying that, dude. You decreased your influence and your economic worth the minute you decided that that was content that you wanted to put out there that had nothing to do with the shit you normally put out. It's that simple. You know, it's 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 insane. And again, I don't I don't I don't view him as a racist or or a neo-Nazi or anything like that. I just view him as a guy that thought, hey, this will be funny. This will get people talking. But Yes, it it got people talking, but not the way he wanted. And like I said, he can probably bounce back from it. But for the time being, he is, you know, he's he's napalm right now. Nobody can touch him. And a lot of companies are going to avoid him for the time being because they just don't want to be associated with that type of drama. It's no different than, you know, Hulk Hogan's um racial you know racial uh conversations that he had that were captured on tape and even though they were captured on tape in in in, you know in a private setting the fact is that those views did get out and people of color view hulk hogan differently and sure we can move past it we can you know we time may time passes and people will forget this stuff but they'll forget it for now and that's the thing. It's like there's been there's been individuals who have said terrible things. I mean, Mel Gibson is a great example. Look at all the crazy shit that he's done. Some of the, you know, the anti-Semitic stuff that he said, et cetera, et cetera. And don't get me wrong. He was blacklisted and he was he was pretty much um, a pariah in Hollywood. And, and he's gradually made his way back on, on. As a matter of fact, he's actually in the ent- in, in the entertainment segment this week for something uh, related to an upcoming film which i'm going to get into during that segment and even for him you know there, there's there's always redemption there's a chance to 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 right a wrong that you've done but at the end of the day you also have to be self-aware and while yes maybe maybe the con the commentary that he did may have been taken out of context to a point uh the rea- the reality of it is he decided to post that content. He decided to do that. Nobody, nobody forced him to do it. And again, it's not what he does. It's it, it's different if it was you know something used on Bill Maher or you know last week tonight with John Oliver or um, any of these other shows, Trevor Noah, where it, it it's part of the programming. It's part of you know the delivery. It's part of what they're trying to get across. You're you're a guy that does gaming videos and yeah, you know, you do some some vlogs and some other stuff, but your your bread and butter is your gaming niche. And if you're going to go outside of that niche, then you need to start off small and you need to build that niche up if you're going to dip your toes in that pool because that's a pool that has the potential to be a slippery slope. It's no different than than deciding to talk about politics online. Once you get into that space, you're going to say some things that people may not agree with. And sometimes people may view it as personal attacks on their beliefs, their heritage or et cetera. And you got to be ready for it. And as a guy who puts out gaming videos, I just feel that that's not something he personally should have done. And now he's ruined his reputation. Uh, companies don't want to touch him. And he's he's definitely going to be hurt financially. But yeah, the Wall Street Journal piece was part of that. But he did it to himself. He shot himself in the foot. Simple as that. All right. 
I think I think um, that's a good way to close out the gaming segment for this episode. Uh, definitely going to keep you guys updated with that, with any new developments on that story. I, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. I know I posted this post in our Facebook group. And, you know, I've 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 seen some great commentary from some of our regulars in there, and I'd love to hear from the rest of you. So definitely make sure to check out the post uh, regarding PewDiePie in our Facebook group and let me know your thoughts. Maybe I can read some of them on air next week. And um, if anybody's interested in coming on air, if you're a, a YouTube creator that you know, has a particular opinion about that, uh, definitely hit us up as well. I'd love to talk to you, whether it's for a written piece or even for uh, a podcast episode, we can take a deep dive into that stuff. All right, let's switch gears and jump into this week's entertainment news. Let's get to it. All right. It was a busy weekend at the box office this past weekend with a, not even a shocker the lego batman running away with it taking the number one slot earning 55.6 million dollars 50 shades of gray darker took 46.8 million john wick chapter 2 made 30 million split earned an additional 9.3 million dollars to bring its total to 112.3 million dollars hidden figures was number five a dog's purpose was number six Rings was number seven. La La Land earned an additional $5 million to bring its total up to $126 million. Lion was number nine. And the space between us was number 10. All right. So as usual, whenever I go to check out one of the movies at the box office, I started doing a five minute movie review on the show. Of course, there is a full review on RageWorks.net. And for this week, I am giving you a five minute movie review of John Wick Chapter Two. Now, John Wick Chapter 2 continues pretty much right after the events of John Wick Chapter 1. John Wick is, oh, the film opens with John Wick looking for his missing car, which, of course, was taken in the first film, along with, obviously, his dog being killed in the first film. So uh, the film opens up with him getting the car back and him being approached by uh, a very powerful uh, figure from from the underworld, who was a guy that John knew in, in, you know, in his past. And he came to collect on a debt, which John Wick just didn't want to do. And um, the guy pretty much proceeds to uh, make it, make him an offer he can't refuse. Uh, John Wick then proceeds to take the job. And obviously he completes the job and bullshit unfolds. Needless to say, John Wick is then pretty much on a collision course with the guy and numerous assassins that are out to kill him. Uh, the film definitely turns up the action uh, from the first film substantially. There is tons of, of violence, tons of shooting, uh, tons of, of people getting shot in the chest and in the head on on more than one occasion. Uh, definitely a, a step up uh, in terms of action. Now, the story itself was solid. We we get it. You know, John Wick is trying to move away from that life. He's just trying to be simple. He's trying to stay retired. But obviously, uh, fate has other plans because nobody is allowing him to stay retired. And because of that, obviously, he's got to go out and do what he does best, which is pretty much put bullets in fucking people's heads. And that definitely was the case. Now, there definitely was, a, a you know, obviously a bigger budget. We got to see some fresh faces we got to see common uh we also got to see lawrence fishburne which was the first time him and keanu reeves have been on screen since the matrix uh ruby rose who was a who was the new latest darling uh in the action genre uh obviously being a, a tattooed model and just having a very unique look has made her marketable for films uh including triple x and a couple of other films i thought that she was going to have a more prominent role in john wick chapter two but while her role was definitely you know more than most it it, you know the payoff for her character wasn't that great i also felt that the villain as a whole was a very very big letdown i felt that what redeemed the story was the fact that you know when the film ended we knew that chapter three was all but guaranteed especially because of how the film 
you know, how the film concluded. And I thought that that was pretty much the bigger part of that story. As somebody who enjoys films like Hard Boiled, The Killer, uh, The Raid, and movies like that, I can respect what was what was done with John Wick Chapter 2. But overall, I felt that, you know, while they upped the violence and they upped a lot of the stuff, the overall story definitely was not as tight as the first film that that emotional connection it was there but it wasn't there too much it was more it was more of an academic you know guy gets dragged back into his line of work uh gets betrayed and then proceeds to unleash a path of vengeance and that's fine but like i said i felt that it lost a lot of that panache that made the first film very good now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go check it out, because like I said, if you enjoyed the first film, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of movies, you know, just really good gunfights and you appreciate the work Keanu Reeves does, then, you know, you will enjoy John Wick. But I can definitely say that the first film definitely had just a better a, a better package overall. The second film just takes a lot of the action sequences and dials them up to 11 or better so uh with that said i i recommend you guys check it out like i said it was a good it was a good flick to get my full detailed analysis definitely check out my review on rageworks.net and by all means feel free to let me know your thoughts on the film whether in the comments section for the review or in our facebook group as well all right so moving along on to some small screen news uh, something that I shared on RageWorks.net, Fox has renewed Lucifer for a third season. Uh, Lucifer currently airs Mondays on the network, and it is back for another 22-episode season, and it's been a solid show for the network, uh, keeping a very strong rating in the 18-49 to 49 demographic. Lucifer, of course, is based on a comic book from Vertigo, and I wasn't really totally into the show when it debuted. I just felt there was another comic book property just being leveraged uh, amongst all the other comic book properties. But I've checked out a couple of episodes and I definitely feel that it's, you know, it's witty, it's funny, and it definitely has some interesting stuff. Uh, you know, for somebody who enjoyed the Constantine show and, and you know, the stuff done with that character. And I'm currently watching Legion on FX, which is just fucking insane. Um, I can appreciate the work that they put into Lucifer. It's a fun show you know, definitely touches on some cool stuff, has a, has an interesting concept. And it's, it's like the bad guy's really the good guy. It's, it's okay. It's not, it's not terrible. And I'm not shocked that it got a third season because for the most part, people have said nothing but good things about the show. But yes, uh, Lucifer is signed up for a third season, which will be, uh, it, it will start its airing on uh, May 1st, which is going to be the final run of season two. So shortly after that, we'll jump into the third season. So uh, definitely props to to DC for another hit, uh, courtesy of Lucifer on Fox. On the Marvel side of things, meanwhile, the Cloak and Dagger series is going, uh, you know, moving ahead on Freeform uh, based on the characters from the from the same book. Uh, Tandy Bowen uh, and... Um, Tyrone Johnson, who are the two characters that are cloak and dagger are, um, you know, they're definitely, there's definitely plenty of potential there because they're street level heroes. And I'm really hoping that it ties into some of the other stuff that the Marvel universe has established. Uh, Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph will be playing, uh, Tandy Bowen and Tyron Johnson, AKA cloak and dagger. Uh, in addition to that though, there have been some additional, uh, casting announcements gloria rubin who many of you probably have seen on er or mr robot uh will be playing uh tyron johnson's mother adina johnson also um you know james saito from the devil's advocate and life of pi will be on it jd evermore from true detective uh miles Mussenden. i always bludgeon this guy's name miles Mussenden, who uh was in bloodline will be playing tyron's father and um, Andrea Roth, who was in Blue Bloods and Rescue Me, will be playing Tandy Bowen's mom. So, uh, you know, the casting, the casting is definitely a lot of a lot of solid names from from the TV space. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with this. It's there's a lot that can be done They're They're interesting characters, given that there's you know, they come from such different backgrounds, but their links to characters like Spider-Man and Daredevil definitely cannot be ignored and I'm really curious to see 
how how the show is received again it will be airing on freeform which was previously abc family once we get an air date and some other info i will definitely send that uh you know your way so you guys can check it out and um as always once we we get to check out an episode or two we'll obviously share our thoughts whether it's on the group or on the site or on a future episode of mtr or the variant issue we'll we'll have you guys covered there now a few months back, I was talking about that they were going to be doing a remake of The Raid. Uh, the Raid and its sequel were pretty much the gold standard for action movies over the you know the last three or four years. I really feel that you know Dread also uh, had a lot of the same elements that The Raid did, and it was just a, a stellar film. And as I said previously, there was a reboot that was under that was in development and it was quiet for a while and then chatter started back up again well we got a new update uh frank grillo is going to be involved as is joe carnahan and they're going to be doing this uh reimagining of the raid obviously you know they're they're saying that it's not going to be an outright remake but it's going to be within the same you know genre universe etc that the original raid films occupy and you know, I I just feel that the the fight mechanics and and the amount of special uh, the well not special effects the amount of effects that were utilized to make the raid such an amazing film. Not to say that Frank Grillo and and you know U.S. audiences can't get the same experience. I just feel that there's a lot more work, uh, you know, for for that to be done here in the states than versus you know Malaysia, Japan, and and these other areas that do films where. You know, they film stuff with no wires. They do it in one take. And, and these are guys that are just known for for these types of, of films. I mean, again, that's not to say that an American version wouldn't be good or wouldn't be solid. But I just feel that it's tough to replicate something that had so many elements that were just so well done and so well executed. As I said before, you're you're you know, you're trying to Americanize something that even though it can it can work is just not going to be as faithful or as good as the original it's something that i noticed when they tried to do old boy with uh josh brolin of course the original old boy film was just tremendous and while the remake did have some you know the american remake had certain elements that were done very well the overall finished product wasn't as good as the original source material and you know i stand by that Again, I, I'm going to give it a shot and check it out because I'm curious to see what they bring to the table. But if the fight choreography and the action sequences aren't comparable to what was established in the in the original films, I, I don't see people really being being on board with it. That's all I'm saying. As I mentioned during the gaming segment, I was talking about Mel Gibson and The Hollywood Reporter is actually reporting that warner brothers is looking at mel gibson to possibly direct an upcoming sequel to suicide squad which is pretty fucking crazy as of right now both sides are in conversations but there hasn't been any official offers yet but uh the hollywood reporter states that mel gibson is familiarizing himself with the material and um you know warner brothers is also vetting some other directors as well including daniel espinoza as potential candidates for the second film david ayer of course did the first film which you know got a mixed response from not only critics but just comic fans in general who um you know they had they had certain things they liked about the film and certain things they didn't i definitely fall into that category but when it was all said and done suicide squad earned 745 million dollars worldwide which you just can't ignore and not only that but the success of that film led to david ayer working on a spinoff which is gotham city sirens which is going to have margot robbie back as harley as well as some other female dc villains being involved in the project so uh very interesting to see mel gibson under uh, under consideration for a possible director role for a suicide squad sequel now on the marvel side of things we got some new information regarding the deadpool sequel which all signs point to it being released in 2018. Uh, the director for John Wick, uh, David Leach, has been tapped to direct the, the film. And 
we may be seeing even more X-Men in the film as well. We already know that Cable is pretty much all but guaranteed, but we're going to see some other X-Men as well. Maybe we'll see the return of Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and um, maybe we'll even see the return of Colossus. But another character that's been making the rounds lately who is pretty much guaranteed to be in Deadpool 2 is Domino, who many of you may know as being a member of X-Force alongside Cable. And... um. There's been a lot of speculation with regards to the casting of Domino. Um, some people are saying that, um, you know, Mackenzie Davis had, was going to take the role, but that but that rumor was pretty much killed. Uh, Sienna Miller was also uh, an actress that was mentioned. Kerry Washington was mentioned. But um, as of right now, there's been no concrete uh, casting notifications with regard to uh, the possibility of Domino. Uh, as of right now, pretty much what's been said is that the character will be in the film, but, you know, nothing concrete has been established yet. Um, Uprox in their piece actually said that there was a role that was very Domino-esque that was considered, but wasn't specifically Domino. As of right now, um, you know, the casting rumors that I've read, like I said, Sienna Miller, uh, Google and Batha Raw and also Kerry Washington have all been considered thus far. But at the end of the day, until something concrete comes out, it is just that speculation. The only thing I can say is that Cable is pretty much guaranteed. Um, not 100% sure if the Pierce Brosnan rumor is continuing to, to circulate through the tubes, but that pretty much seems to be you know the lead thus far that Cable is going to be Pierce Brosnan, which... I don't I don't think is bad, but I don't think is good either. I still feel that Stephen Lang is pretty much cable personified, but who knows? Maybe maybe the, the directors will surprise us. In any case, Deadpool 2 is on deck to hit theaters in 2018. Now, I got to pose a question to you guys. If you guys have any recommendations on who you would like to see play Domino in Deadpool 2, uh, feel free to share your thoughts, either email me so I can read it on air or we'll pose the question in the Facebook group and see what you guys have to say about that. In any case, uh, that is going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week, and it's even going to wrap up the show. So I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. As always, I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media. You can find my take radio on Twitter at my take radio, and you can also interact with us via all the different social media accounts for RageWorks. We are on Instagram, Snapchat, Google Plus, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, of course, Facebook, where we have not only a Facebook fan page but also a Facebook group as well. Links for all that will be in the show notes for this episode. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or any of our other shows, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net, whichever you prefer. All right, guys, I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in to My Take Radio episode 397, Gaming and Entertainment Edition. Join us next week for episode 398 and 399 as we continue our march to My Take Radio episode 400. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. My Take Radio is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, bringing you the best rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. To find out more, visit us at RageWorks.net.